Seer Show is a live broadcast of truth seekers and believers, empowering the evolution of consciousness. Raphael and Celeste will dive deeper than the mainstream media while answering the mind's deeper questions and transforming conversations. They will have unique guest speakers who will share knowledge, tools, and techniques to create coherence in our mind, body, and spirit. Good morning from New York and good evening from Sydney. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you, Raphael. Very good to be here tonight, today, yes. this morning. <laughs> uh, this evening for you. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Thank you so much for definitely joining us. And I know Celeste would love to be here with us, but she's having technical issues with her computer. Yes. So we're going to talk about ancient healing, right? And why is it that we go back to ancient healing? Why isn't it that sometimes the modern healing is not really taking care of what it should? Look, so uh, I've been now in Chinese medicine and ancient healing for 15 years. My father mm. has been a practitioner for close to 50 years. So wow. amazing. Yeah, he's, um, I think, coming up to 48 years so, look, I would say there's a huge difference with ancient healing is that it's kind of survived the test of time. You know, back mm -hmm. then it was passed down through generation, through, you know, masters to students, and they really knew sort of what was really going on deep with the body. You know, if it survived a couple of thousand years, then I would definitely say that it really knows what is happening. Um, so I'd say, look, there's a lot of, great wisdom in ancient healing they really understood the core aspects of what was really going on with the body right. on such a deep level you know we're not just looking at modern medicine in terms of fixing the symptoms you know with ancient healing we're really going back to the core issues of what is going on say with the body um, be it mind body spirit and we look at the body I think the big difference is we look at the body as a holistic whole. You know, we're looking at everything from top to bottom. You know, when you go to an ancient healer or someone that practices holistic healing, they're sort of giving you one thing to walk away with, like the one root problem. Whereas, you know, going to modern medicine doctors, you go in with like five different symptoms, you're going to walk out with five different medications or scripts, <laughs> yes. right? So they don't really understand the whole holistic nature. They've sort of lost their ways in a bit, you know, not to say, you know, there's some great things with modern medicine. They're great for surgeries and things. But when it comes mm -hmm. to chronic illnesses, chronic problems that people are facing for months and years, they they don't have that deep understanding of what is really going on. So a lot of people now are leaving modern medicine. Um, it's not working for them. They're finding that, you know, ancient wisdom and holistic healing is, is suiting them much better. And they're really getting great answers on really going back and finding out the root problem of what's basically going on with their bodies. Mm, definitely. You know, as a um, Chinese martial arts practitioner myself, yeah. I've been doing martial arts for about 47 years. Wow, amazing. Yeah. It, oh, my God. I love it. It is my What life. type of martial yeah. arts do you do? I teach uh, Tibetan Lama Pai, which is a, ah. it, it went from Tibet and it went to China. And then it was at the Green Cloud Monastery. Wow. And so my great grandmaster spoke Cantonese. And I know Cantonese is not common anymore um, as much as Mandarin is. 
right? What, yeah, what do you I'd still say, yeah, I speak Mandarin, but I definitely okay. say the second probably most common spoken language, uh, dialect in Asia is different Cantonese. So after Mandarin, it is, you know, more widely spoken in sort of Canton, parts of China and Hong Kong, mm -hmm. it's their predominant dialect. But I obviously grew up, um, my parents are immigrants from China, um, grandparents are from China, and they actually grew up in Southeast Asia. But they wanted to make sure that it wasn't lost, um, you know, Mandarin wasn't lost as a language that we knew at least, you know, could speak and have conversational Chinese because it's so important, you know, to remember your roots. Um, culturally, mm -hmm. it's the same as like a lot of immigrants and a lot of cultures. They really want to make sure that their children remember. I'm not quite sure how my children go. I wish I spoke more <laughs> Mandarin with them. Um, they might be, they can understand Mandarin, but bits and pieces are only a little uh but yeah i definitely think it's you know it's something that we need to be able to continue with a specific language such as chinese and when you're learning things like chinese medicine it definitely helps to be able to understand the language and also being in china myself for a few years really helps to you know ingrain that when you're living and breathing and have no other choice but to speak mandarin <laughs> that's beautiful you know w when we think about language and as an NLP practitioner yourself, it's so important, right? And, and sometimes the, when you think about the interpretations are lost, right? From mm. one language to another, the mm. meaning, like sometimes you're like, yeah. I, I, I can't explain it, but mm -hmm. if I say it in my language, it's going to make yeah. sense, right? Yeah. So it's, it's such a big thing. You know, what, one of the things that, I went to a lot of Chinese doctors and I had toy not done on me, mm -hmm. you know, all these different things. And sometimes people don't understand, but it works. So I used to do all the herbs. I used yeah. to get all these different teas and stuff of that nature. And a lot of it I still use, for example, when we use um, for hitting, we use a, a bruise liniment. It's called Dita Jiao. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So for me, it's it's been such a big and deep impact into what I do, I, how I use it. My students use it, yeah. you know, so it's important for us. And it's just fascinating because before I had gone to a Chinese doctor, you can go to a doctor and they would ask you a thousand questions. Maybe if they're a good doctor, right? And when I would go to a, um, a Chinese doctor, maybe we didn't speak the same language. All they had to do was look at my hands and they can tell so much about, you know, my diet and all these mm -hmm. different things. I was like, this is super amazing. It's so cool. And it was true. Everything they were saying, like, oh, you're not getting enough of this. You're not doing that. And I'm like, wow, how do you know all this stuff? It was just like mind to me, it was mind boggling. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So, you know, back in the ancient days, even in <clears throat> when the kings would, you know, be sick and you couldn't touch, you know, royalty, you know, they would take the pulse. And obviously being in Chinese medicine, you know, the mm -hmm. biggest thing we look at is people's face. So that tells a lot about someone's health. And mm -hmm. then we look at the tongue and the pulse. And there is so much to tell about these people's health just by looking at them you don't have to ask them anything right so i can actually tell and look at someone just by their right. face
coloring, what is happening with specific lines, where all the mm. markings are. And I can get a pretty mm. good idea of what is actually happening deep within because our bodies are a mirror, you know, our face, our tongue is a mirror of what is happening internally. So that is what makes uh, Chinese medicine just so unique is that, yeah, we don't have to speak any language and don't have to tell us. And then from the pulse and the tongue, mm. we can treat them and just give them the perfect formula. Mm. You know, my father, he's aligned with the Shaolin temple. And so they practice a lot of martial Shaolin martial arts as well. And like you said, like some of these ancient healings and some of these remedies and that has tr has been through the test of time, you know, people still get injured, whether it's through martial arts training and that, but these formulas are amazing and they're so quick for recovery. You know, mm -hmm. you imagine what you put your body through. You've seen that through your own martial arts students, you know, how if you can, you know, if you hurt yourself, you can get back on track within relatively a couple of weeks or a couple of months as opposed to sort of that long-term damage when you get on top of it and have that right sort of formula just to, you know, get that body healed up really quickly. So let's let's talk a bit. Yes, you know, one of the things that I'm still fascinated by it, you know, and uh, let's talk a little bit about you. You're a fertility coach. Let's talk about what that means um, for someone, especially, you know, for someone who's trying mm. to uh, conceive. What is it necessarily for, for people who don't realize that the impact that you can make on, uh, upon them being able to conceive is, is, is just that much better should they seek yeah. your help, right? Can we talk yeah, about look, that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say, look, these days I'm seeing a lot more. Like, I don't know whether it's just because more clients are coming, but or whether fertility rates, I do believe fertility rates and just the trouble of conceiving is definitely at an all-time high. I put it down to a couple of reasons. I definitely say that obviously with the pandemic and what's been happening around the world, there's been a lot of physical stress, emotional stress, um, financial stress on a lot of people. And stress is one of the biggest problems to health, right? Be mm -hmm. it infertility or any other health issues, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Infertility is literally just a symptom of what is going on deep down. So when they come and seek my help, I obviously combine a lot of this ancient wisdom and holistic healing into be able to tapping into what is the root cause of being, them being not able to have a baby, you know, be it they need to get back on a strict physical regimen, we need to change the diet and lifestyle, get on top of our nutrition and being super, um, you know, super careful with what we're eating so that we can optimize those hormones, right? It comes down to making sure everything is aligned up, you know. And then, you know, also checking with their mental and emotional health, you know, obviously with the pandemic and there's still a lot of people around the world still suffering from that, um, you know, people who haven't seen some of their loved ones for three Christmases now, right? So there's mm. been a lot of stress around that. Travel isn't back to normal yet, right, with all the countries. So there's a lot of emotional stress around that. So whether you're eating properly and you're in great physical health, if you're definitely going through a lot of emotional and mental stress, that needs to be worked on. So we need to look at a whole holistic, you know, the whole holistic person and really look at every single area. Like I spoke to about mentioned earlier, right? We need to look at mind, body, spirit. So mm -hmm. then we need to tap into basically what is going on with the body, with the mind and with the spirit. Are they really focusing on themselves? Are they tapping into their own 
you know, spiritual well-being and really being able to optimize all of those areas. And then, you know, being that support for them. It is a very emotional journey. It's very stressful, especially people are starting their family or starting to have a baby a lot later in life. You know, we aren't like our grandparents' generation that had kids in our late teens or early 20s, right? <laughs> most women and, yeah, most women and family these days are having children in their late 30s. You know, the majority of my clients are late 30s, early 40s. So obviously we're in a different physical um, physical nature by, you know, late 30s. We're not obviously the same as we're not a spring chicken anymore, unfortunately. And so we do need that additional support additional help and so that's when sort of all different modalities that I've studied in the past including acupuncture Chinese medicine herbal medicine mm -hmm. you know looking at NLP looking at clearing a lot of those beliefs and trauma that's happened will really get someone back into you know more of a wholeness and back into sort of alignment so that they can optimize their health and be able to have that baby sooner. So I use a variety of different um, skill sets and that, but yeah, taking people to really going back to just laying down all that foundation and making sure everything is, is in the best state possible to be able to conceive, but not in conceive, but have a healthy baby, right? We want to go past right. just the conception because it is a one year journey for some, right? Conceiving, mm -hmm for a couple of months and then all the way pregnancy is a 10 month journey. So, you know, it can take anyone between 12, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months, even two years to be able to then hold that baby in their arms. So yeah, mm. it's a definitely not a short journey for some. And if they're yeah. sort of got more issues going on hormonally health wise, it can take that bit longer to be able to hold their baby. So they could conceive in a few months, but we're also looking at also during pregnancy, which is a really important time to make sure mother and baby are supported as well. Yeah. You, you know, one of the things that you talked about is definitely the age of the woman now conceiving compared to, like you said, um, back in the day when people mm. were, were, they were teenagers and they were having yep. babies, right? And yep. now it's, it's kind of frowned upon a teenager having a child. But it's, would you say the childbearing years are better for teenagers because of the less stress of mm. the less uh you know mental anguish sometimes that they may even go through because i i think a lot of of what happens to a person is that their beliefs are going to definitely be so much different if you're a teenager compared to when you're in your 30s right so you've gone through all these mental changes. So you, you talked about the mental state as well, right? So mm -hmm. even though we're frowning upon a teenager nowadays having children, did this occur as well back before people understood that fertility was something that is, is a whole I guess a holistic approach to giving birth because there was not enough studies back then, right? Mm. Yeah, look, there's definitely, you know, the age question comes down to when people are ready. Obviously, we back mm -hmm. then a lot of women weren't working. So if you're looking at your grandparents' age, they were basically full time mothers, right? And so mm. they got married young. 
and then they started having a family in their late teens, early 20s, whereas, you know, obviously with living going up, with um, everything costing a lot more, both parents need to work. And people also had, they didn't have that tertiary education. So I think it comes down to various factors. But obviously, even having children in your mid-20s, right, as opposed to having a family in your mid-30s or even mid-40s for a, a mm. few of my clients, you're definitely in a better physical um, capacity. You know, you've got more yeah. energy, it, waking up a lot, you know, in the first couple of months when you have that newborn, you're waking up every hour or two, you know, and so that definitely plays a toll on your recovery. Um, your body obviously bounces back a lot quicker in your sort of 20s than mm -hmm. it does in your 40s. So I would say that from a physical perspective, your body is definitely more equipped to handle having mm -hmm. a baby earlier, um, as early as possible. But I also think that with the mental state, um, I definitely think that when you're in your late 30s and early 40s, you have lived life, obviously, you know, for an extra 10 or 15 years and mm -hmm. have more um, maturity and more understanding about how the world, you know, the world works. And so you could be, you could have definitely more positive attributes for being a mother later in life. So I don't think, I think it just depends on people's circumstances, but for sure, there's definitely um, benefits to, on a physical level for having a child as early as possible. So if you are in that beautiful, loving relationship and are ready mm -hmm. to be a parent in your early twenties, right? I definitely mm -hmm. suggest um, being an earlier mum age-wise and obviously, you know, waiting till you're a lot later. So, yeah, it's definitely personal circumstances, but you definitely see the body bouncing back. And if you want a big family, obviously, if you're starting family in your 40s, you're not going to be having three kids, right? And so right. they mainly only have one child. Whereas if you're in your early 20s, be it a cultural thing, you know, there's still some cultures around the world getting married earlier they can have, you know, the sort of four to six children. Um, mm. You know, most people these days, I think, are only having two maximum. You know, costs are up and with both parents working as opposed to the mother being a stay-at-home mom, it definitely makes things a little bit more challenging and difficult um, to balance more than a couple of kids. Yeah, no, without a doubt. You know, yeah. one, of the, one of the things, if, if, uh, if we think about... Um, you know, the fertility and, and even the stable relationships. And you talked about if you're happy, right? Because a lot of times so many people are worried more about their careers in comparison to I need to have my family together. It's almost like people put that in the back burner nowadays, mm. right? Having mm. a family, that's not important. I'm more important. And then later on, it's that, wait a minute, I am important, but there's something missing. I mm. want, or, or maybe they, it's not envy because it's, it's just that feeling. So for me, I'm number 10 of 12. Wow. So my mom, even though she could have, believe it or not, my mom got married when she was 12. Wow. I know. That's right? definitely not legal these days. <laughs> not these days. But here's the crazy thing. You would expect that maybe she had her kids right away. My sister was born when my mom was 19. So wow. that was something interesting. And, I, I, you know, my mom's not around, so I can't ask her why she waited so long. But 
when you think about it, she had she had twelve kids after that, or eleven after that, after nineteen. Yeah, and and you know, she also she was a teacher, so it wasn't like she was at home just having kids. She was also a professional. So it w- it was pretty interesting, and I wish I would be able to have this conversation with my mom yeah. and say, how did you even feel getting married at such an early age, and how on earth did you hold out till 19? Because that's seven years being married. Was that her actual age? And you definitely know that for sure. That was yes. her age as she got married. Was it an yeah. arranged marriage, can I ask? I don't know. I oh. don't. I you never had know. that conversation. Yeah. I didn't. I wish I did. My dad's not around either. So, so what's the gap between you and your older sibling? Oh my gosh. My, I, I think almost 20 years. Wow. So she was probably having babies. Yeah. I'd say from 19 all the way till 40. I mean, yeah. you know, I could hazard a guess and say perhaps maybe, you know, back then, I mean, People these days, because of the hormones, I think the food we're eating, a lot of that, they are actually getting their menstruation, their menses a lot earlier. You know, women or girls as young as nine, I've heard, are having their periods, which is unheard of. Because mm. going by by back in the ancient days and what is actually the norm is having your period at 14, right? They say seven, mm-hmm. the, women have cycles of seven years. That's why we sort of start our periods at 14 and finish at 49 traditionally right so it could be that perhaps your mother um you know started her menstruation a little bit later it could have been that she i'm hazarding a guess um i'd say maybe she was 14 15 um and then by the time they realized perhaps because they didn't have a lot of sexual education back then right Right. so you know possibly um that could be why she waited um but yeah these days look going back to i think a lot of girls are growing up a lot quicker and yeah the reasons i would hazard a guess into just the foods the hormones what is really mm-hmm. going on with people's diet and lifestyle um you know they're starting and that's way too young because also if you start your periods a lot earlier it'll end a lot earlier as well and so if you're mm-hmm. having that career that we spoke about and you're you know finishing uni and going into your career and wanting to move up the corporate ladder or build a career for yourself a lot of people are starting their, you know, their families in their late 30s, early right. 40s. Uh, you know, obviously they're struggling because we've only got so many eggs in our basket. We're literally born with that number of eggs. So if you start early when you're, you know, nine years old, you're going through early menopause, um, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So that makes it quite difficult. So that's why I think we're also seeing a massive increase in IVF or assisted fertility Um you know, for many people around the world because, yeah, naturally, you know, it's a lot more difficult for women who are putting their careers first or perhaps not finding a partner until, you know, their mid-30s because they've put dating also on hold until their careers have taken off. So various reasons and circumstances for each individual. But, yeah, it's an interesting, you know, topic how people's lives unfold. I'm sure most people who want a family perhaps don't want to wait till their 30s, but, you know, circumstances and that. Um, And also, look, I think once people start their fertility journey as well, they uncover different things. You know, I've had couples that have started earlier but have come across obstacles, you know, be it the husband or the partner or themselves have had, 
you know, issues that they've uncovered after they've started their journey. Mm. And then by the time you get tested and then rectify all of those through surgery or through whatever means, it's already a couple of years down the track. So, and if you're already starting late enough, it definitely, you know, um, is delaying your um, your family chances by a couple of years as well. So, right. yeah, it's difficult for for those who really want that child and want to be younger mums but can't right. do so. <laughs> it doesn't always uh, happen no. as planned, right? Yes. Exactly. You, you know, I'm just curious as to, uh, I'm sure the stress level has to be truly high for someone who, they think they get married at whatever age and they're like, okay, I'm ready to have a baby. Mm. And all of a sudden it's like, it's not happening. It's not happening. Mm. And then it's also, could it be a blame game, right? It's, it's, they start either blaming themselves. They blame their spouse. They blame, there's something that they, so that mental stress has to be a, an, an additional factor that goes into even having that that baby, right? Yeah, look, it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle for these women. And that's why, you know, with my help, I try to break that cycle at some point mm -hmm. because they do want a baby. You know, some people get married and as soon as they do, they want nothing more than to be a mom. They've wanted to be a mom their whole lives. And, you know, then they hit, you know, some obstacles with their health and that they didn't see. And it is hard. That's why I say going back to mental stress, right? If you don't sort of break out of that cycle yourself or seek help, it can really become very stressful on some. And I've seen even couples sort of, you know, go through divorce because of it, because they weren't able to give their husband or partner a, a baby, you know, as soon as possible. And it's really difficult. It's mentally uh, challenging. And then you know, that adds to more of the stress, right? So women are very hard on ourselves, especially those who are expecting, you know, that it wasn't going to fail, right? We don't know, mm. like I said, until we start. And then as soon as you find out, you know, there's all these obstacles and that you or your partner's health, you know, needs, you know, more help and it's slowing mm. down the process. It's just, yeah, it, it's a definitely a big hit in the gut for for a lot of women and it's, it's very challenging times. So, yeah, definitely seeking help and being able to sort of stay on course, stay positive. You know, we go back to language and going back to what you're telling ourselves, right? If you sort of spiral down that rabbit hole, it's mm -hmm. really hard to come back out, you know. Um, there's definitely lots of people that can help you, you know, um, anywhere. There's so many fertility doctors and, you know, holistic healing and all of that to really be able to get the answers and just staying positive, you know, if a baby is what you want then just holding true and knowing it's going to happen when the time is right, right. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you can in the private chat, just put whatever links um, someone can find you at, and then we'll put them up on here. Yeah. One of the things that um, I definitely want to ask you is I know your dad um, was a Chinese doctor and so forth. What made you decide to say, I want to be a fertility doctor. Could you have not just gone in your dad's footsteps? Oh, look, it was a long road before I became a fertility practitioner and coach, for sure. Mm. I've gone through about five different careers. Mm. I started off actually straight out of uh, straight out of high school. I went into IT. I did a four-year Bachelor of Science in 
in um, computer science and I really hated just being in front of the computer. You know, it was not my thing. I dreaded waking up and just, you know, being in front of the computer. I was, I was always a people person. You know, dad always wanted me to study Chinese medicine. He wanted me to follow in his footsteps, but I refused for the longest time. You know, I I was like, oh, I don't want to see sick people. You know, you just see sick people all day with colds and flus and back aches. You know, I don't want that. <laughs> And I remember hitting a fork, you know, in my in my career and going, I'd done the IT. And then after IT, I went into real estate, went into retail. You know, I did a lot. And I was like, look, I don't know if this is me. You know, something was missing. I didn't find my true purpose. And then I got into, you know, being a beauty therapist. And I love that. I loved being a beauty therapist, which I still am these days, actually. Mm. And then, look, Dad's like, look, since you're not doing anything, why don't you just go to China, take a you know couple of months and you know see the country? And I'd never spent that much time in China. So I went and enrolled in a basic course in Chinese medicine in Beijing. I remember going to a Chinese medicine college for it was just a three-month course. And I thought, oh, look, mm -hmm. I'll dip my foot in, have a see, you know, what it is to be fully immersed in the culture and, and just check it out, just see if I like it. You know, it wasn't obviously committing to a four-year degree here. So, you know, I and I just fell in love with the culture, the people. And so when I came back, I got into my Bachelor of Chinese Medicine here in Sydney and did a proper course. And I was like, look, I really enjoy this. I love seeing how I can really get to the root cause of it. And, you know, when we're in China. We we're fully immersed in these hospitals. We mm. did a lot of practical and each day we would see hundreds of people. You know, it's not like mm. here in in Sydney or in, you know, the Western worlds where you're actually just seeing one person an hour. You know, these were hospitals that treated these patients with Chinese medicine from the get-go, you know. So we were they were coming in each day, you know, to these hospitals. And this hospital was very busy, like most, you know, being 1.8 billion people in China. Mm. They were just, yeah, they used it as a main form of medicine in a lot of hospitals. So Seeing that, coming back to Sydney, studying Chinese medicine, I went into general practice. And about six years ago, um, I've been in practice 15 years now, but seeing that sort of I really decided to, oh, my goodness, this was like what was missing. You know, more and more clients were saying, oh, we need, they needed help with their hormones and maybe having a baby. And so, yeah, one thing led to another. And now majority of my clients are fertility clients, you know, word of mouth and things like that. But it is a real passion of mine. I've got two little children of my own. And so really being able to obviously put my expertise into it through my holistic healing and different modalities, but knowing firsthand what it's like to go through pregnancy. So I think I became more in love with helping other women when I had my own children. So my oldest son, he's six, almost seven. So about six mm. to seven years ago, that's kind of when I <laughs> fell into more specializing into this field and really you know, honing my skills and having this passion is like I saw the, you know, if anyone who's, who's held a baby in their arms knows just that miracle and that feeling of what it's like, you know, to be able to hold your own child. And so I decided then that I wanted to help more women, you know, have the same feeling as myself and to be that mom. So that's my passion continuing, you know, with that is to be able to help more women around the world to be able to, you know, have that same, have that same miracle for sure. It, uh, and I love the fact that we're calling it a miracle because it truly, truly is. It's oh, it yeah. is the most amazing thing that you know. A, as a dad, I was there for the deliveries of my children. It was just the most amazing and beautiful 
experience and and that's from a guy right that's from a yeah. I didn't feel it I, it didn't come from my body yeah. but just witnessing a miracle was beyond and a lot of men have never witnessed such a miracle that close and for me it it truly not only I'm one of those crazy guys that if I can have kids, I would of my own. Mm -hmm. I mean, from my own body, if I could, I would. Right? Unfortunately, men can't. <laughs> but it's you never so know. Maybe one day in the future. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever saw the movie Twins, right, with yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's right. Um, I was like, man, never that would be never. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely like to take that burden off us women, you know, definitely holding that miracle baby minus, mm. you know, some people go through terrible pregnancies and also right. a terrible birth experience. I can't say my first experience was all too great, um, you know, but obviously when you go through that, you know, it's only going to be in a, a day or two that, you know, having a baby is a lifetime journey of being a mother to this amazing child but even scientifically like if you look at the science of actually what happens with mm. an egg and a sperm it is truly a miracle you know it's like a baby forms in your you know in your stomach in your belly from like right. this tiny couple of cells right it's like i've yeah. seen a lot of these videos and for those who haven't i urge you to go to youtube or you know look at some of these videos of what actually happens scientifically um in your body it, it truly is a miracle you know and our bodies are just fascinating like like it's truly truly fascinating um that after not 10 months you deliver this fully little human baby you know it's <laughs> with arms and legs and everything right like it's such a perfect little thing after you know cooking in your stomach for for that long it's from nothing from a couple of cells to a, a fully yeah. baby it's just um it's amazing. So, yeah. It's Very it's cool. interesting that you said cooking. It's cooking in the belly. Cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're baking, right? It's in the oven. We're baking, right? yeah. We're baking. Yeah. <laughs> Our mothers, we are baking a little baby in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So be, besides, you know, understanding and the beauty of giving birth, right, for a woman, for a man, if they can experience being there, supporting their wife i was i actually planned my kids so my ex-wife um didn't want to have kids so i was not going to marry her but when she decided she wanted to have kids i planned i went according to her menstrual cycle i was one of those crazy people so i planned our honeymoon according to her menstrual cycle and so we were able to actually conceive during our honeymoon. Mm. But it was it was a miracle. And and you know, babies are a gift, right? And and we have to see that. And a lot of people, I recently had someone say, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have kids. And I was like, wow, how could you even say such a thing? Because you know what happens? They have teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so they forgot, right? The teenagers made them forget the beauty. Yeah. Of, and this is a woman who said it, right? And I was like, wow, it doesn't matter. You got to remember those beautiful moments, yeah. you know, what your body went through. And mm -hmm. at this point, 
it is for them to say, I wish I, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have kids. I'm like, wow. Mm. If I had to do it all over again, I'd have 20, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I had to do it again too, I look, I started my family a lot later in life. I would definitely, I've always wanted three. And so, yeah, definitely I'd start earlier. And look, I think having teenagers these days is is difficult, but it's just a phase, right? Like anything, like people right. don't have a great newborn phase, right? I have many clients and friends whose babies cry 24-7 for six mm-hmm. months on end, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. give me a baby that's two years old, you know? Like some people have a very <laughs> difficult postnatal delivery, postnatal depression and hormones are still raging or they had a painful birth, all of those things. But they're all phases. But, you know, having being a mother is a lifetime thing. It comes with all the challenges and people forget that. They think, oh, it's just going to be this little baby and it's going to stay little forever, right. you know, but it doesn't happen, right? And each child is different. You know, I've got a boy and a girl and they are so different, it's similar in some ways, but obviously different personalities. And, you know, you have you had a lot of brothers and sisters and your own children, but no, there's no textbook that tells you how to mm-hmm raise a particular child because they're all so different and they respond differently but you know they're all phases and it comes with being a parent you know we go through the tough times we go through toddler tantrums you know my daughter's mm-hmm. just come out of her terrible threes where she was so clingy to her father and now she's mm-hmm. this beautiful little girl and yeah my my son didn't sleep for the first 18 months i literally wanted oh, to wow. throw him down the toilet right he literally <laughs> slept two hours a night and um, for 18 months uh, and i was like oh my god you know what did i do thinking i wanted to have children but they're all phases mm. and now you know he's this beautiful little boy so and teenagers just the same you know i think we all have to be prepared for those different phases but all children i think it comes from also the parenting and the innate nature of the child but yeah, it's just part of being a parent. It's like part of life, you know. We have its ups and downs. So same with parenting. So yeah, it, it's it's hard. Parenting is definitely one of the hardest jobs, and mothers especially try to do it all. You know, like mm. credit to even you know single moms out there. Oh, it yeah. is so tough. Let alone having a partner who's there to support you. It's difficult enough. But mm. kudos and like full respect to single moms out there. Like it is so tough if they've got you know young children or a few you know those that are close in age you know because mothers try they need to work they need to look after the kids mm-hmm. it's a full-time job and having to have a full-time job plus being a full-time mom yeah it, it's difficult for sure yeah but yeah. it's part of life right it's our experience of life here on earth so yeah, yeah. i wouldn't trade it for anything oh no not at all you know y- you talked about single moms and there's a lot of women who have a partner and even though there's two people trying to raise this child, sometimes it seems like it's a single mom because the yeah. dad does nothing, right? Yeah. So many parents, uh, so many dads do not, it's not, I'm not even going to say old fashioned, but they don't believe that they're the ones that are responsible to raise their own mm. kids. And mm. they think that it's the women who are the ones that should do it all. Meanwhile, they don't realize the amount of work that goes into raising a child. It's it's very interesting. And I said my ex-wife didn't want kids. And it was a bit more apparent when my children were very big, you know, babies, because I became Mr. Mom and she became Mr. Dad. 
because she didn't care as much as racing them as mm. I did. And it was it was interesting because even if we went to a gathering, I was the one feeding them. You know, I had the baby bottle and I was the one changing the diapers. I was the one like paying attention all the time and she's out there socializing. So for me, it didn't matter because I was in love with that role. I didn't mind it. So yeah. I was one of those dads that was like, yes, I, this is a beautiful experience. And I enjoyed every minute of it. But there are so many dads out there who don't participate. And I think they're missing out. Yeah, I agree. You know, like I've got a couple of friends, one of them very close to your friend, and she complains that her husband's working four jobs. When he does come home, he spends half an hour with the child and she feels like a single mom, you know, he's never yeah. around, right? And so it is really hard because children, you know, we know that they grow up so quickly and you can't get those days or months yeah. or years back, right? And there's such beauty with seeing them through that transition. And there is still some old-fashioned men uh but i also think that a lot of men have embraced that it is a 50 50 job you know my husband's a great um he's a great father you know we pretty much do 50 50 on a lot of things um but you know there are definitely some parents who or even look moms who perhaps have like husbands or partners who are in you know the army or who've got jobs that are constantly right. you know requiring them not to be around for whatever reason but I think that if you are around you know those years go by really quickly and I think they may regret that you know they weren't more hands-on you know mm. I, I think yeah there's definitely more drive towards being more equal in the relationship because the woman is also working as much as the man does in a lot of relationships you know they have got full 40 hour weeks and that so yeah it, it's it's a tough one but I think if you've got the support it definitely makes things easier um it's tough enough being a parent and trying to do it all on your own and having a partner but also you know if you've got grandparents that are still alive being able to you know um have them look after the children you know uh, you know once a week or something like that to give you also people forget that once you have family time in the first couple of years right you don't really still spend any couple time and yeah that can be a big thing with relationships right we still need to nurture mm. you know that relationship with each other as well as our children and extended family so mm. yeah a lot of people are focused you know they forget that yeah there's more people in in the family as well so but look i hope that more people who's who aren't on board um, you know, really realize that it's so quick. You blink an eye and I can't believe my my daughter, she's going into kindergarten. She's almost five, you know, and it's yeah. like, where did that time go, right? It's like, I just felt like it was like a couple of months ago that I had her. Yeah. yeah. Time flies. My son's 21, so I, wow. I exactly feel what you're college, talking about. College, almost finished. Yeah, almost finished college. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, you know, when we, so I have one who's 18, the other one's 21. And mm. and you, you talked about it earlier. Each one is unique. They're different, mm. right? The, even the, the, as babies, they were so different. As yeah. toddlers, they were so different. And now as young men, they're very different as well. And even though they grew up in the same household, they had, same parents, mm -hmm. but it is, and, and that just reminds us how unique everyone is. And I got to tell you, you are extremely unique. You have so many hats you wear besides mom hat, 
right? You know, you're a fertility coach, you're an NLP master coach, you're a master hypnotherapist and a beauty therapist. When do you find time <laughs> to do all these things? And if you had to only do one of those, which one would you choose? Look, I don't think they're separate hearts. I used to do that with different clients, but, you know, I think if you can have all these skills and all of these um, tools up your tool belt, when mm. someone comes in, you know exactly, um, you know, a client is still a client at the end of the day. They may only mm. need hypnotherapy or they may only need, you know, an acupuncture treatment. So having these tools, you know, and then sometimes they may need more than one. So I think it is definitely a help that it's all combined. I don't see them as being separate. But look, I'd say that's really the most rewarding thing at the end of the day is definitely being a mom, right? Um, if mm. I could just, you know, be a full-time mom, you know, I would love that. But your children grow up quickly and they do need, you know, we do need to work and be able to support them financially. If you want to give them the best of everything, you know, my mm -hmm. kids are going to private schools and they do a lot of extracurricular. It's hard to be able to give them the best um, if we're not working. But also, you know, my purpose is definitely to help more people with having their family. And so, yeah, I love what I do. I love helping women. Mm. You know, I've done so for, you know, around the fertility space now for seven years and in the holistic healing space for 15 and yeah, there's nothing more rewarding than being able when a client tells you that, you know, they're pregnant or they're expecting a baby and then to follow them through that journey. So I definitely love being a fertility practitioner and coach and using all my tools to be able to, you know, help them um, on their way to being a mother for sure. So yeah, any tool that I can use, of, you know, <laughs> to help them on their journey for sure. Yeah. And I love the fact how you put it all together that every tool is an asset to who you yeah. are right mm. because it you know and could you get more tools i always feel like to be a master you can't you could be a master at one thing but to have diversity i think that truly makes you a master mm. because like you said you can see it from different angles, different points of view. Yeah. You can understand your clients so much better. Tell me what made you go into NLP? Because that is, to me, I, I, I love it, you know, but t tell me what made you head in that direction. Yeah, look, I think I fell into it. Um, you know, I sort of knew about NLP a few years ago, but not in the extent. And, you know, my coach at the time, she was a business coach and she was actually qualified to, to do NLP courses. And so, oh, why not? I love learning. And I think most people that, you know, we're, we're continuously learning every day. I'm actually doing my trainer's trainer in NLP this year, actually. So I'm actually mm. going above master's um, nice. in the next 12 to 18 months. So that's really exciting. You know, I'm actually taking the next level up. Um, I'll have a diploma. So on top of the master's, it'll actually be a diploma of NLP. And yeah, look, if you can add anything to help them on that mental, emotional state, right? So I talk about, you know, I've got that physical understanding of the client, you know, Chinese medicine and studying a science gives me that understanding on a physical level. But to really then tap in, and especially it became so prevalent in the last three, four years with the pandemic is being able to tap into that subconscious brain, being able to really find out what is holding someone back, what is holding, you know, um, 
what is stopping them from moving forward in their health? Like we're just taking, say, fertility, but this can be across all areas. You know, a lot of people have been through a lot of trauma. Everyone who's gone through mm. life has had trauma, large or small, right? And if that is impacting you on a mental, emotional level, then, you know, we want to be able to release that. So NLP and hypnotherapy has really been able to help my clients to release a lot of that. So, yeah, I think it's just being able to access all these tools i'll continuously learn over the next you know i've still got many decades ahead of me and i think to be able to serve your clients and be the best person that you can and bring value yeah we never stop learning we never stop growing we never stop adding more knowledge and techniques and tools to to our clients so being able to just utilize everything is mm -hmm. just yeah it um yeah helping my clients in whichever way possible so yeah, no, I really love it. It's so it's so amazing. You know, for those that don't know what NLP is, I suggest, you know, um, reading up on it, you know, it really talks about how our thinking affects our body. And there's so much evidence scientifically now to show different brain waves, to to test electrical signals, to to see people's health completely change by, you know, by just changing the way we think. And so it's become mm. more important now that we really are in tuned with, you know, whether we're tapping into being positive or negative. You know, you also can see through the last few years who who are really positive people. And, you know, it's always best for our health if we are actually around more positive people. We feel more alive. We feel better than to, yeah, to obviously be in negativity. And it's hard when people go through tough times, but it's how we sort of bounce back and, and learn from learn from these um you know challenges and moving forward in life right so we talked about how life is full of challenges and ups and downs and we're going to get them it's not mm. going to stop but it's you know so it's how we come out of it at the end of the day and how we move forward so if yeah if any of the listeners out there have not you know looked into nlp they're suffering from any trauma or um a lot of sort of negativity and things like that um yeah to definitely have a look at how that can help you for sure yeah, you you know, and I I love how you you're talking about the thoughts, the the language that we use, right? Because a lot of times we're talking to ourselves, right? How yeah. many times do you talk to yourself? And back in the day, if you saw somebody. If you walk down the street now and you see somebody talking, is because they're talking, they have a thing in their thing, <laughs> you know, and they're talking, right? Back 30 years ago, if you saw somebody doing that, you would think, oh, that person's crazy, right? But now you don't know if somebody's crazy or if they have something in their ear. Yeah. But whether you admit it or not, we talk to ourselves constantly whether it's you know whether it's out loud or internally we do have that communication with ourselves the thoughts and the ideas the concepts that definitely drives our behaviors so what is it that you do for someone who has this negative thinking process how do you help them get rid of it? Look, I'd say, sorry, I'm just charging my laptop. It's about to die on me. Um, there's a few different ways, but I think being having that awareness, right, um, is, is the number one key, right? So mm -hmm. just to answer your question, we actually have 
around 70 to 80,000 thoughts on a daily basis, possibly mm. more for some people, maybe slightly less, but on average, we actually think 80,000 thoughts. So obviously our thoughts are determined by what we've gone through in life. You know, if you've had a great, joyous, happy life, you know, with very minimal, you know, obstacles and trauma, um, then you're going to think more, mostly positive thoughts. But obviously if you've had more hardship than others, it's you're definitely going to be thinking a lot of or a lot more negative thoughts, right? So I'd say the number one thing for um, saying to someone is having that awareness is to think, oh my gosh, did I just have that negative thought? Am I thinking the same thing over and over again a million times a day, you know, at 80,000, 100,000 times a day? And mm. is it the same thoughts? Because we generally tend to repeat the same thoughts day in and day out. So believe it or not, what you're thinking today is generally what you were thinking yesterday, the day before, last week, last month, right? Nothing really changes unless we have that conscious awareness. And that's where mm. sort of NLP and, and looking at your thought process comes in because are we having that awareness and going, okay, let's change our thoughts. Let's change the way we think. And we can do that, right? Um, you mm -hmm. can consciously do that or you can work with someone who is trained in NLP or, or can take you through specific breakthroughs or trainings or specific coaching to be able to rectify that and be able to look at, okay, how can we change those thoughts moving forward and when we change our thoughts we do change our bodies you know there's a lot of studies now being done that our thoughts affect how we think you know take for example cancer clients you know there have been a lot of studies done that those who have positive thinking or those that think you know the glass is half empty versus half full are going to have better outcomes right those who have mm -hmm. positive thought patterns and and mindset like you know they become positive with their diagnosis right is definitely going to have better um, health outcomes and better diagnoses as opposed to those that start spiraling and just keep thinking negative thoughts that they're going to die that you know why them and become mm. victims and that. so you know really having that awareness first of all and then you know if you can't do it on your own or can't get enough advice and to seek someone that can help you um, especially those who have gone through tough times you know really tough I've had clients who've gone through hell and back right and yet they've come mm. out on top and those who continuously, you know, if they haven't seeked help or really look at um, how that's hurting themselves and people around them, you know, five, ten years later, they're in worse positions, right? So really having that awareness and how it's affecting people around you, your loved ones, your family, because people can, if you may not have that awareness, but people can see you that you may not see yourself, right? Like sometimes people have better objective you know views of of you oh, and yeah. so if someone's saying that you you need help or that you're driving people away you're feeling lonely that could all be signs right so really understanding yourself where you're coming from and look at ways to you know yeah to to change our thoughts around right we are we are definitely capable and things like nlp hypnotherapy many other tools out there is capable of being able to put mm. you back on um positive um trains of thought for sure so yeah. yeah it's very powerful how our thoughts really do affect our our actions our health everything else so mm. yeah deep stuff there you know you know when we connect the body and the mind i believe that there is is a congruent um joining of forces because if we are not physically active as well right if we lead a sedentary lifestyle 
then it's easier for our thoughts not to be as positive, I believe, um, because your body is going to release certain um, chemicals when we are moving, right? So for me, movement is critical. Uh, every day I have to move. So not only am I moving my body, but I'm moving my mind. Like mm. you, I'm always looking to learn. And thank you so much for teaching me so much today. I appreciate you. When we can communicate with another person and be open to their thoughts, to their ideas, to their concepts, because if we're close-minded, it's extremely hard to learn. So it's either a growth mindset or, I guess, a closed mindset, right? Yeah, stagnant stagnant or, yeah. So... When we think about NLP and when we think about, uh, you know, you're also a beauty therapist. Tell me, take a minute or two and tell me what does that mean? Does that mean that I have to think of myself as beautiful, which we all know we, every one of us is is gorgeous, beautiful, the most incredible human being there is. Mm. All you have to do, if you want to find that person, just look in the mirror, right? Yeah, look, it's not always as easy for some. Obviously, those who have that great self-esteem is going to look in the mirror and see a beautiful person. But Mm -hmm. obviously, there are many people who struggle with their own self-esteem issues and they see something ugly on the other side. And those people, yeah, look, I feel um, definitely feel, you know, feel for them and they should definitely, you know, seek some help for sure because we all are beautiful on the inside. But Coming back to, you know, beauty, it does radiate from within, right? So if you're definitely a positive, happy person, you're going to radiate happiness, right? If you look at people that are are, are happy, you know, they're smiling all the time and it makes you feel good, right? As opposed to if you're looking at someone that is constantly a negative Nancy or, you know, got a lot of negativity and, you know, hating on the world, you don't feel like you want to hang around them or talk to them for a long time. And, you know, when people are angry or fearful, right, they, they make the sort of, you know, you, you can see it in the face, right. And, but Mm -hmm. that also affects you chemically. You know, we talked about how you said, if you're moving every day, you, you know, you activate certain hormones and, and that is definitely true from a scientific point of view, you know, if we're moving, we release a lot of toxins and we are activating, you know, a lot of, adrenaline and a lot of happy hormones you know that's why running or exercising or moving will you know will definitely keep you healthy because yeah you're starting to detox you're starting to you know feel better and you're releasing you're moving right and in the last few years has definitely been difficult for a lot of people not able to move being in lockdown if you're you know we're locked down a lot so we have to remember that yeah movement is key and also getting obviously hanging around the right people you know I'm really big on understanding that you know you have to you know there are family members and friends that you know you may not be able to choose your family but limit the time with some of the family members you know that are kind of very negative or very condescending or don't make you feel good right you Mm. want to hang around people that uplift you and and really bring joy and make you smile and laugh right because you know laughter is truly the best medicine and you know, it definitely keeps you younger, you know, if you're feeling happier and healthier. There is many studies out there that it helps you live longer. So, yeah, coming back to your thoughts and who you see and who you hang around, there's so many aspects of your life that you can definitely, you know, incorporate into helping you look healthier, look younger, live longer for sure. Definitely. 
Ellie, this has been very informative, very, uh, it's been great getting to know you. And I know that you do have a lot of um, knowledge and expertise. And I think anybody who is interested in connecting with you should definitely go to fertilityandhealthexpert.com and connect with you there as well. Any last words before we, we, we log off? Look, I just um, thank you so much for um, having me on your show. We know we tried to schedule this in the different time zones. It's been a bit challenging, but finally I'm here. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you to all your listeners. I hope you did get a couple of good nuggets out of um, our chat today. And yeah, please reach out. You know, I offer some great discovery calls, you know, complimentary discovery calls. If there is something you want to discuss, be it health or fertility wise, definitely, you know, go to the website. There's a link to be able to chat with me and get a couple of my free eBooks as well. But look, I just wanna wish everyone going into 2023, a wonderful and happy, you know, Christmas and new year that, you know, hopefully it will be one of, you know, the better years coming out of the pandemic now. Hopefully things have right. settled down quite a lot more this year. And that, yeah, remember, you know, um, without your health, uh, you know, there's nothing more important than basically taking care of your health, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, your health is your wealth and it doesn't matter how much money you have to make sure you are putting yourself first to take care of yourself and mm -hmm. yeah, to really make sure you are doing all those things for your own self-care. So making 2023 a healthy, happy year for, for everyone around. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with us. And we did miss Celeste. I know she had technical issues and uh, you know, w one of the things that, um, life always brings uh throws curveballs at us right and it's it's how you adapt it's how you move yeah. forward um but i hope that celeste will get her computer in gear for next mm -hmm. week as we come with another amazing guest ellie thank you so much and you have an amazing evening and anybody in the east coast here with me in new york have an amazing amazing rest of your day thank you so much have a blessed day Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.